right. That was a great one. Let me get it again. Good morning. All right. Amen. I'm excited to have an opportunity to share God's truth with you today. Uh, So I want to say welcome to all of you and uh, certainly welcome to those of you that are participating uh, from the overflow as well. And so I'm just honored uh, to be able to stand before you today and share again God's truth. Uh, I'm beholding uh, to Pastor Graham uh, and certainly to our North Campus pastor, uh, Pastor Bales. Uh, It is no small feat uh, that I stand here and I definitely didn't know uh, that our pastor was going to be in the house. Uh, yeah, no, no pressure at all. Uh, so, and, uh, but I am grateful uh, to, to, to stand here. Again, for those of you that don't know, I'm Clarence Williams. Uh, I have an opportunity to uh, teach a life group uh, that is pretty much right here in front of me. Uh, so our devoted class, and I, I serve as a deacon here in the church as well. Uh, but more than that, I'm a servant of the Most High God. Uh, and, and that's what this is about. And this is a message today uh, that is for all of us. Uh, we know that we have been in this series this summer, uh, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. And it's been several parables, and I won't go through them all, but just, you know, a few of, of those that have been shared, you know, we had uh, Pastor Shivers who came up and, and talked to us about being persistent in your prayer life. Uh, and he gave the parable about the one who showed up at midnight and, and asking for a loaf of bread. And that persistency that he had, uh, and as we as believers, we should be just as persistent in our prayer life. And, and then we had Dr. Jason Snyder uh, who came up and talked to us about uh, the lost boys uh, being the parable of the prodigal son and knowing that the one, not only the one who asked for all uh, to be given and what was due him, but also the one who was left behind to stay needed God just as much. And then we had last Sunday, uh, Pastor Bales who shared with us roadside grace and the parable of the Good Samaritan. And knowing that, whether it might have been the Levite who passed by on the other side or the priest who we would expect uh, for someone who has fallen among robbers uh, that needed assistance and needed help. But it wasn't any of those that were anticipated. It happened to be the one, uh, the Samaritan, uh, who everybody had some disdain about, actually showed favor. Uh, and, And today we'll see and we're looking at Uh, the parable of the great banquet. But the sermon title is The Invitation is Yours. And that's why I say this is one that, whether you're in the overflow or you're here in the room, it is one that is befitting for all of us. So and it's uh, found in Luke chapter 14. And in Luke 14... It actually centers on verses 15 through 24. Uh, That's right, I forgot about something. You know, being our pastors here in the room, if if you're there at Luke 14, you're supposed to, and I said, are you there? You're supposed to say what? Wait a minute, that was kind of weak. Luke chapter 14, everyone there? 
All right, amen. All right, so here we go. We're going to read through, and I'm not going to read all the verses verbatim uh, until we get to the verses that pertain to the message for today, which is found in 15 through 24. But because it starts out in Luke 14 and 1, I want to give you some background on what, what's going on. Uh, so in verses 1 through 6, uh, it's on the Sabbath, and Jesus has received an invite, uh, as many of us have received. An invitation or an invite, by definition, is to request or elicit for someone to come somewhere and participate in something. A request to come somewhere and participate in something. You know, most of us have received an invitation for something. Whether it's to attend a birthday party or a wedding or a luncheon. And so, matter of fact, some of you that are visiting today may have received an invitation to come to church right here at Prestonwood. But you've received an invite to come somewhere, participate in something. So Jesus, on the Sabbath, and this is a Sunday, a day that's set aside for worship, has been invited. But sometimes an invite is more than just an invite. Sometimes an invite turns out to be something you didn't anticipate. You know, how many of us have been invited somewhere and once you receive the invitation, kind of formulate in your mind why they are inviting me to come over there to do whatever it is that you're being asked to do. Yeah, and I've got some laughter and some people that are shaking some head. And it turns out to be something different. Where in this case, it's a setup. Because they are wanting to find out if Jesus is going to heal a man on the Sabbath. So they were watching him carefully, is what it says in those verses, uh, to see what was going to happen. So Jesus prompted it with the question, which one of you having a son or an oxen that's fallen into a well would not do everything to save it on the Sabbath? And the response that I read in the scriptures after Jesus asked that question, and then he heals the man, well, it says it had someone there with dropsy. So just to clarify, because when I first read this, I didn't, I'm like, what's dropsy? Uh, Y'all, I'm not too ashamed to say when I hit a word in the Bible and I got to go dig, and that's what you should do as well, go dig to find out what is that. Well, dropsy is a swelling, a body that this man has got some swelling going on because of water accumulation under the skin. So it would typically it might even be declared unclean because we know this is a, not just any Pharisee's house that Jesus has been invited to dine, but it says it's a ruler of the Pharisees, which may be very well a member of the Sanhedrin, which was made up of the Pharisees and Sadducees, those that were given the oracles of God and had dedicated their life to studying the Scriptures. So Jesus asked this question, which one of you? And what was the response? Oh, y'all just get it. was hush mode. No one could respond. They were all in complete silence. 
And so then Jesus moves on as he's been invited, and then you'll see verses 7 through 11 where he's telling them, hey, all of you are sitting in the wrong places. Basically, they noticed that all the people were sitting in places of honor. So it's on the Sabbath, day of worship. He's been invited, and notice that everyone is sitting in places, but those are in places of honor. I don't know about you, but how many of you have, no, I'm, I'm just going to tell you the story that I experienced. I went to go check out a worship service, wasn't here at Preston Wood. But even as I perused this room, and we've been in here for a few Sundays now, and you know, on August 13th, we'll be back in the worship center. But boy, all we creatures of habit, because I see where most of you are sitting. That's right. Sunday after Sunday, you're still sitting right where. Okay, so obviously, when I went to visit this church on the Sabbath, and uh, I sat down to have this worship experience and wanted to see what was, you know, songs that were going to be sung and what was the worship experience, only to find out uh, that someone kind of rolled up kind of right next to me, looked down at me, and pointed, like, scooch over. Why? You're in my seat. Visitors, I pray that you did not have the experience here today. You're welcome to worship. You can have any seat in the house, and we will gladly move without having... Okay. So Jesus lets them know in verse 11, For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he opens this parable of the great banquet. And we'll pick up at verse 12, and we'll read a few verses here. He's... And this is why I know Jesus was invited. He said, also the man who had invited him. So he's addressing the person who has sent the invitation to him. He says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends and your brothers, your relatives, or rich neighbors. Least they invite you in return, and you be repaid. He says, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind You'll be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So, stop right there for a minute. This lets us know that the God that we worship, the one who is worthy, the God that we serve, has a heart for those with disabilities. He said, when you invite, invite these, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And I'll say this, prior to the onboarding of Pastor Bales and went back and did a little bit of data research, in our special friends ministry, we averaged three to four participants each Sunday. Since the onboarding of Pastor Bales, and you know he, he has a heart, uh, because he's been counted worthy as his book is titled. He and his wife Mary have Hannah and Libby. But you know, currently, from an average of three to four, to date, we average about 55 participants in our special friends ministry. Amen. 
Verse 15. Now I'll read these passages through verse 24. Let's read. Uh, when one of those who reclined at the table with him, so he's got some reclining going. This has got to be a great meal, y'all. You know, we're not talking about beanie weenies here. Well, some of y'all don't even know what beanie weenies is. Uh, we're, we're not talking about peanut butter crackers. All right? This is a meal. This, this is, okay. So it's, it's, it's reclining. And this one is reclining at the table. And he states to him, he says, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And so what he's referencing here, and it's got quotations in my Bible, which means it's a quote out of Scripture. So it's found in Revelation. I don't know. We're going to throw that on the screen. Revelation chapter 19. Uh, verses 1 through 9 reads like this. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out. And this is what they're crying out. Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And this is where the quote comes from in verse 9. And the angel said to me, the me is John. John has been exiled at this point. He is on the Isle of Patmos, and he is writing as the Spirit gives utterance. And this is what he quotes. He says, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. You see, a parable is something that Jesus would always use to relate to the people. But it had a deeper spiritual meaning behind what he shared. Folks, I want you to know today that, like I said, this message is about the invitation. And the invitation that Jesus received, he showed up. But the message is about an invitation that you're going to hear about here very shortly. Because there is a marriage supper. There's an opportunity that we're all going to share in that great multitude that say the Lord God Almighty reigns and they're clothed in fine linen. Y'all, that's us. We'll be participating in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Verse 16 says, but said to him, a man once gave a great banquet, and invited many. The invitation is for many. It's a broad invitation. It says, but at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited. Okay, stop right there for a minute. That should get your attention. Uh, because uh, it, it's been invited and you received the invitation, but yet people want shoring up because he said he sent his servant. Y'all, I get to be that servant today. Today I'm the servant and then farther down, we'll read, the master sent the servant out, and that's what he's doing to let those know who have been invited 
hey, they're not showing up. So I'm sending you out to let them know because the next part of that verse reads, it says, to come for everything is now what? Ready. Let's break this down a little bit. Invitation have been sent. People are not showing. Servant is being sent out to those who have been invited to come. Come means, the definition of come, it means there's got to be some action, some forward movement. A lot of you probably have had, you know, all your kids have been great kids. And if you ever said to come somewhere, they probably popped their earbuds out. And then instantaneously, they are transitioning because you said, come over here. <laughs> Mine, not so much. I've had to say, hey, come over here. And there's not been movement. Except for my movement. No, I, I won't get into that. Because if I got to move after I've called you, all right, that's not part of the sermon. <laughs> but it's to come to make, he said, let them know to come. So people are not showing up to come. He says for everything, everything y'all is all encompassing. The definition for everything is that, you know how sometimes you've received an invite to come to a lunch or we, we're doing this thing and you've been invited, but you know what? I need you to bring the bread. Uh, somebody, uh, hey, Clarence is going to bring the potato salad. Somebody's got to bring a dessert. You bring the paper plates. This is not where you got to bring anything. Everything that is needed for you to participate for what you've been invited for is already there. It is all-encompassing. Then he says it's now. Now, by definition, is the active present tense at this time and in this moment. It's not talking about next year. It's not talking about next week. He says, you've been invited to participate in this banquet and the time, everything for you to come and everything it is now, right now, it is ready. Ready means it's suitable for action. Ready means it's fully ready for you to participate in. You can take part in this banquet. You can take part in this meal. It's not an invitation where you got to bring something up. Sometimes it's an invitation that you've been invited, but you got to pay uh, $10,000 for a plate or a table. It's not what this invitation is about. You know, I've been invited before. And y'all, it's been great. You know, it's like, hey, you can choose where we just want, we want to treat you. We want to take you out to eat. And it's been great. I mean, I've seen Pat, that's my wife, y'all, uh, cut into her steak. And she ordered, like, how you want your steak done? And most times she'll say, medium, medium, which most people don't get that right. Uh, you know, it's either medium well, medium rare, but she, medium, medium, which it, it's got quite a bit of pink in it. And it's, but she, like, I don't want any steak sauce with this one. I don't need anything to dull the flavor, and it's just right. And then, you know, we, we got some side dishes with, uh, man, the garlic mashed potatoes. Mm. 
you know, and, and then you got the, you know, cream spinach, and man, the Chilean sea bass is cooked to perfection, and then for dessert, man, they got a pecan pie with a cinnamon roll crust with a big old scoop of bluebell. <laughs> Lord. And everyone's having a great time. I, I mean, I was invited. I mean, the meal was wonderful. I mean, everybody's laughter, and we're talking about old times, and only to find out when the hostess come back with this little black. Everyone looks over at me, and I get hit. <laughs> Y'all, this is not what God did for us. The message is this. You know, and a lot of times in music, you, you get to a place where, uh, where it's a highlight in the point of the music or in the orchestra, and it's called a crescendo. And at the crescendo, it means it's, it's a peak. What God did for us in the preparation for the meal is the crescendo. Because I don't have to buy anything. No one is going to hand me anything at the the enjoyment that I am experiencing at this marriage supper of the Lamb, it is just that. It is not because i got to pay something. Because it's paid in full. The debt that I need to pay is already covered. And so when the master sends this servant out, let him know to come right now forward movement, everything all-encompassing, now, not next week. It is ready. Fully prepared for action. But the next verse reads, verse 18 says, but they all like began to make excuses. And these were the excuses. The first one says, I bought a field. I got to go check it out. Most of you know that, you know, I'm, and some of you may not. You know, I'm from the Bayou State, great state of Louisiana. We know how to cook. We can do onion with the gravy, and the gravy make a couvillon. And with the couvillon, you got some flavor in there that is just right. Matter of fact, I own some property right there off the Bayou. And that Bayou property is for sale. But it yeah, y'all, I, I can go Cajun pretty quick. <laughs> but if this is you, and it's for real, I got seven and a half acres right off the bayou. But I'd need you to pay for it before, before you go see it. Because if you go see it in the rainy season, just saying. If this is you, and you're willing to pay money for property without seeing it, I got a deal for you. You can just see me after church. This next excuse says, hey, I bought five yoke of oxen. And we know a yoke, uh, an oxen has got to be a valuable animal because, you know, Jesus, even at the beginning of this parable, at the beginning of what we talked about, he says, which one of you having an oxen that's fallen into a well and it's on the Sabbath wouldn't do everything to save it? So this guy's bought five oxen. And he says, 
I pay for them. You know, I, I can't go. I got to go examine them. I don't know if they're lame. I don't know, you know, but I bought them. Hey, I own a 49 Mercury. That's my car. Man, it's got a sweet paint job on it. Sweet, I'm telling you, it is. I had the interior redone, and that is the original. You see that manual uh, that's in the seat? I bought it off of eBay. It's the original manual for a 49 Lincoln Mercury. See those hubcaps? Those are original hubcaps. And guess what? That car is for sale. I mean, you got to go deep. I mean, you, you almost got to hit six figures to get it. Uh, but it's for sale. Only thing I want you to do is pay me up front, and then I'll take it, and you can go see it. Because it doesn't run. <laughs> I love it. My wife hates it. But anyway, what an excuse, y'all. Let me give you a definition of an excuse. An excuse is something stated to release one from responsibility or duty by attempting to lessen the blame by attaching it to a reason to justify an action. Something stated to release. You from a duty or a responsibility by attaching a reason to justify an action. Some of you have received invitations. <laughs> that you didn't show up for. How many of you? No, don't do that. Because some reasons that we have used to justify an action is not a true reason. This last one, y'all, in, in, in verse 20, the example, that one almost got me. He said, I married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. I mean, really what? She won't let you go anywhere by yourself? <laughs> Let me say this. Any excuse that you will give that gets in the way of you coming to Jesus and accepting him as Lord and Savior is a flimsy, no good excuse. There is no excuse that warrants, this is why I can't come. This is why I can't accept the invitation. And like I said, the invitation is yours. Look at verse 21. It says, so the servant came and reported to the master. Hey, I've gone out. I've asked all the guys and all the families that you said you want to come and everybody's got an excuse and none are coming. 
And he, the master became angry. And I can tell you this, you have Sunday after Sunday uh, that you, you have a pastor that pours his heart and soul and extends an invitation. At Prestonwood, a lot of you may not know what an invitation, if you're not part of uh, Prestonwood and you're visiting, uh, the invitation is an opportunity for you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you come and you profess him and you allow him to reign and rule in your life for the rest of your life. Because life without Christ is merely existing and it's not life at all. It says in the servant reported this and the master became angry. I can say this about the master that we serve. Today I get, like I said, I get to be the mouthpiece for the master. And he's more brokenhearted than angry. When he allows me as a servant to share with you the opportunity and the invite. And that verse goes on to read, because he gives the appeal to the master. He said, what you have requested. And the master says, go out quickly. And tell him to be slow for you. He says, go quickly to the streets and lanes of the city. And this is what you do. You bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Again, you see the reference to those with disabilities. And I'm going to tell you this. If it's any group of people that would have an excuse not to show up for what they've been invited to come and participate in, it's this group of people. The poor person could have definitely have said, hey, I don't, I don't have anything decent to wear. And I can tell you this right now today, Satan will plant any message in your head that you're willing to listen to to prevent you from coming to accept Jesus Christ. So the poor person, I don't have anything decent to wear. The cripple could have said, hey, I'm, I, don't, I don't have anyone that can bring me. Uh, the blind could have said, I don't have anyone to lead me there. Scripture goes on to read. After the master says, this is what I need you to do, to go out into the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, blind and the lame. The servant reports, sir, what you've commanded has been done and still there's room. So it is obvious to us that those crippled, blind and lame accepted the invitation and by accepting it, he said, they, they, what you have asking has already been done and still there is room. I want you to know if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior that today there is still room at the cross. That's this old hymn that used to be sung that says, Though millions have come, still there is room. There is space just for you. Still there is room for just one. There's room at the cross. Then the master says, after the servant says, what you've commanded has been done and still there's room. In verse 23, it says, and the master said to the servant, then you go out into the highways and hedges and compel 
people to come in. So at first he says bring, and now he uses the term compel. Compel means to beg, to desperately plead for something. And I want you to hear me say today that this is my desperate plea. We live in a fallen world. I've been reading a book about not giving the enemy a seat at your table. Don't don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And it stems from Psalm 23. Psalm 23, verse 5 says, You, you Lord, prepare a table before me, not in the presence of my friends, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The enemy, y'all, wants to keep you from taking a seat, your seat, at the table of the marriage supper of the Lamb. The invitation is yours, and it's a personal one. You know why I say it's a personal one? And that the debt has been paid in full? Because in John 3.16 it says, For God so loved Clarence. Instead of the world, because I can't go to heaven based on the world, I have to take a personal... Let me say this. There's not a lot in this life that I can guarantee you That's three things, maybe, that I can. One of those things that I will guarantee you, because you're living today, I can guarantee you that one day you will die. It's not a threat, this is not a fear, but it is a truth. The second thing that I guarantee is that it doesn't end here. You will spend eternity in one of two places. You will either spend eternity in a lake of fire because you haven't accepted Christ, or I will guarantee this. Because the word stands true. In Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and if you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But the time is now, y'all. This invitation that has been extended, as the master said, it is, let him know to come. This is my passionate, this is my desperate plea. How God didn't send the worst that he had. 
say he sent his only begotten son to die a death that we should have. And in John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved Clarence. And you can put your name there. So loved Clarence that he gave his only begotten son. To die that Clarence might live. But he didn't send his son into the world to condemn Clarence. But that Clarence might be saved through him. Oh, when I say the invitation is yours, it's just that. You know, in a moment, this invite, you get to choose because that last verse in the passage after this compelling, in verse 24 it says, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Folks, the only way that you don't get to taste and engaged in the marriage supper of the Lamb. God allows us to reject Him. You can walk out of here today with an excuse on why you didn't come. But there is no excuse to justify the action of not coming to Jesus. It's not next week. Not next month. It's not next year. Today is the day of salvation. It's going to be ministers that are going to come to the front here shortly. they will extend. No, I'm extending. I may never get an opportunity to stand before you again. But I know one thing. Today, while the breath is yet running warm in my veins, I'm imploring you that don't make an excuse today. I don't, if you're in the overflow, today is the day of salvation. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let the enemy of discouragement, don't let the enemy of, hey, I've outsinned the forgiveness of God. That's a lie. I can't come. People know too much about me. I can't stand there in front of people. Don't buy into the excuse. God saved me, and He has. He can save you. The only way that you don't get to participate is if you deny and you reject the invitation that's been extended. So let me pray for you. Then we'll have...
probably our own pastor come up. It'll be your opportunity to come. I beg. I desperately plead that if you're here today, Lord God, we stand. Our heads bowed and our hearts bent toward you. I pray that as your word has been proclaimed, that today is the day of salvation, that you move on the hearts and minds to know, oh God, that it is you who is merciful. It is you who is so loving. It is you who is so compassionate, kind, and willing to accept us just as we are. Keep us in your care. So grateful, Lord, for this church, opportunity to worship you. And I pray that right now, as we extend and the invitation is open, that those that need to come, Lord, that you do the drawing. In Jesus' name, amen.